also thankful again for Pastor Randy and Pastor Darla giving me this opportunity to get to share with you today. They're traveling and um, we just need to pray for their safety as they're all over the, the East Coast up north. I'm like, you're going to miss us. People are not as friendly up there as they are down here. You're going to miss us. So anyway, okay, well, so we're going to have a little bit of a crowd participation. Um, I'm going to call it an experiment, Okay. I'm not experimenting on you, kind of. But anyway, here, just go with me, okay? So we're going to do a guessing game. And what I'm going to do is we're going to have a graphic put up on the screen. And when you see it, you yell out what it is. You can yell out as loud as you want. If you want to stand up and beat your chest, it's 930. You're welcome to join us. I don't care. Let's do this, all right? So give me our first picture. I like what I'm hearing. Amazon, there we go. Next one. Apple Music, iTunes, yep, there you go. Next one. <laughs> That's right. That's what it is. Next one. Okay. Old movie, but everybody remembers it. Okay. Next one. Google. Okay. Next one. That's right. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, all of them. Okay. The next one. All right. Next one. Yep. Monster, don't drink them. They're bad for you. Next one. <laughs> there you go. Next one, Starbucks. Everybody's all mad about it. Oh, Starbucks. Okay, next one. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the place where we all go through the drive through somewhat ashamed, right? Next one, Under Armour. That's right. Next one. Hear the pride in Texas right there. And our next one. That's right. Okay, so you're really good with graphics. Now I'm going to give you some phrases, and I want to see if you can help me finish the phrase. Again, use your voice. Yell, scream, sing, whatever you want to do. That's why I love. There we go. There we go. I like that. Thank you for singing back. I like that. You need to audition for the worship team. I like it. Okay. Jim Adler, the Texas, there we go, all right, um, break me off a piece of that, okay, okay, Nike just, okay, L'Oreal, because, there you go, first service, this man screamed that as loud as he could, and I was like, yes, you are, you are worth it, I mean, he was so excited that he knew it, and then I think he was just like, oh, and he was the only one that said it, and he was just like, oh, <laughs> It's so funny. Okay, um, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's, okay, there we go. Burger King says have it. Okay. Bounty, the quicker picker. Okay, y'all just took over. There you go. State Farm, like a good neighbor. Thank you. I, this is, I saw a thing the other day that said, like a good neighbor, stay over there. And I thought that was the funniest thing. Um, I know that's not what we're promoting, okay? But I thought it was funny. I was like, hee hee. Okay. Um, <laughs> Capital One, what's in? Okay, you guys are good. Red Bull gives you? And anxiety. There you know. Okay. Home Depot, how doers? Get more done. There we go. But I like the confidence with do it right there. That was good. Okay. <laughs> Hallmark. 
when you care to send the very best. Wheaties is the breakfast of M&M's melt in your mouth, but United Airlines fly the friendly. Okay, Visa, it's everywhere you want to be. That's right. There are some things that money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. And you're all in good hands with? Okay. All right. I don't know what you just said, but I agree. Okay. <laughs> so here's what I think is interesting. I, well, first of all, I've been working on this, and Phil is so glad it's done because I've been singing little jingles and stuff to him. Like, he's like, stop it, stop it. And I'm like, what's this one? What's this one? And he's like, let's play the quiet game, Amber. Okay. But <laughs> here's what I think is super interesting, and I think you cannot agree or you cannot disagree now because you were part of that. It's fair to say that our little experiment shows that we are impacted by culture and that culture shapes us. It's, it's fair to say culture has had an impact in our life. Now, the reason I started with that is because here's why. What I want to talk to you about this morning is going to upset some nerves. Not people, just some of your nerves, okay? And it may trigger some things and maybe it may inspire some things. But what happens sometimes is when we hear things we need to hear, we oftentimes go, oh, they need to hear it. Oh, I hope she's listening because she sure need to hear this. But the reality is we just proved that culture has impacted all of us in some capacity, correct? So I want to I wanna talk a little bit about that because if we aren't careful, our culture can shape our opinions and our beliefs of Jesus. It can shape the way we see our responsibility when it comes to the body of Christ. Culture can shape what we think is important about our faith Culture can shape how we share our faith. Let me take it a step further. Culture can shape the need for us to be silent when really God's calling us to speak out. So I, I, I've pulled some, um, we'll call them church stats. I don't know what else to call it. From um, nationwide studies conducted by Gallup polls, the Barna groups, and um, Pew Research Center they show that Christianity in the U.S. has been in a decline since the 1960s, which we all know that. However, for the first time in the nation's history, first time in the U.S. history, people identifying as Christians have dropped below 50%. We are 48.5%. Practicing Christians are considered those who attend church at least, or practicing Christians who attend church at least once a month are only 25% of Americans attend church once a month. Now, get this, and 57% of practicing Christians do not attend in person or watch online. So for those of you joining us online, we, you're with us. We're together, and we're glad that you're here. 29% of U.S. Americans believe that the Bible is an ancient book of fables. Okay, but get this. This is where it gets crazy. When it comes to Christian adults, Christian adults, let me say that phrase one more time. 16% believe it's a book of fables. So 16% of Christians believe that the Bible is a book of fables. That's what we're working with, people. Children under the age of eight years old average two and a half hours per day in front of a screen. Under the age of eight, two and a half hours in front of a screen. While teens aged 13 to 18 average eight and a half hours per day looking at their phone or TV. 
There are stats through Pew Research Center that prove that the amount of time behind a screen has made an impact on this upcoming generation and the moral compass that's declining. Then there's a place called the Center for uh, Countering Digital Hate. I strongly encourage you in your own time, go look at their newest research, the Center for Countering Digital Hate. There's a lot and it's crazy, but I wanna share some things that I read from them. TikTok has become the world's fastest growing social media platform, reaching a billion users faster than any other app. Today, two thirds of US teens use the app and an average American user watches 80 minutes of TikTok videos a day. Okay, it said an average American user. I want you to understand. You can say, well, I don't, oh, that's precious, but my children, they don't have TikTok. Well, if they have any social media account, they have access to TikTok. You know the, the videos that you watch on Facebook that you think are funny about like squirrels chasing cats and stuff? Most of those come from TikTok that are loaded onto Facebook. You don't have to have the app to watch the videos. So before we get all self-righteous on my kid will never Let's just put that statement on the back burner and let's just dive in this together, okay? <laughs> I don't like her when she talks, okay. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> every, thir- <laughs> every 39 seconds is the rate at which standard teen accounts were shown body image or mental health content. Every 39 seconds. What is that body image? What does that mean? Every 39 seconds. Your little girl and your little boy that you believe God has called and made into something beautiful has showing, they're seeing a video that's challenging everything about them, making them feel like what, who they are is not good enough. You need to be skinnier. You need to be prettier. You need to be this, okay? Every 39 seconds. Self-harm and suicide videos, six videos are put out every 20 minutes. Eating disorder videos, 29 videos every 248 seconds. Not to mention the identity confusion, the confusion when it comes to sexual orientation, whatever, whatever. And you can sit where you're at and say, well, there's no confusion there. My friend, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion. And, and you can say, well, it's, the, it's a lot. But this is Montgomery County. I'm going to tell you something right now. I have 23-plus years of full-time student, young adult, and kids ministry, and I'm here to tell you it's us. I deal with it all the time. The number of kids, the number of students, the number of young adults that come into my office, call me at night, the things that they're facing, and it's not, please let me tell you something, we want to make social media the scapegoat. Well, if we just did away with social media, that is not the only problem. I'm just telling you that it's coming from different areas. And for us to think for one second that this generation isn't under attack, isn't under fire, that they're not constantly being bombarded with images that make them question their identity, their purpose, and their belief, we're asleep. And guess what? Every adult in here that has social media, it's hitting you too. I think if we really thought about it, there's things that we see that 10 years ago would have shocked us and now they don't bother us anymore. Put away social media. What about what you see on TV? The things they allow on TV that used to, you'd have been like, that would have been just awful. And now we're like, well, it's okay. It's just what it is. And we just have become people who embrace it. Now, I want you to hear me on this. Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of these things. It's everywhere. 
But I'm not telling you that social media is bad. I'm not telling you that we need to do away with social media. I believe there, there's some really good things in social media. Right now, right now while we're having church, there's a bunch of people on social media having church with us. There's some good things to be found in that. But I think it's fair to say that maybe having social media is not bad, but social media having us is. And I think we have this problem where, and I mean, let's look, I say this to the students all the time. If we had social media when I was a teenager, I would still be grounded, okay? Every adult in this room that didn't have social media in high school, raise your hand if you're glad that you did not have social media in high school. Keep your hand raised if your mom and dad would have whooped your tail, okay? All right, so see, we're all on the same page. Like, we understand. Now, kids can connect. They connect all the time. But you know what I also realized? When we were kids, you adults, the adult adults in here, when we were kids, when something went down at school that wasn't fair, that wasn't fun, somebody made fun of us, something happened. Friday you went home, by Monday something else had happened over the weekend and everybody forgot. Do you know what happens now? Your kid gets made fun of and they continue to poke and prod and push all hours of the day and night through the weekend. There's no break, there's no checkout, and I'll be honest, I'm guilty, not of bullying your kid, but I'm guilty... <laughs> Calm down. I'm guilty of waking up and grabbing my phone. I'm guilty of not being able to sleep at night and playing Tetris thinking I'm solving the world's problem. So I, I think that this is worth us talking about, right? I think that this is worth us looking at what's going on because I ask myself, and maybe you do the same, what happened? However many years ago, it didn't look like this. The, there was a moral compass on our nation, there was a moral compass in the church. That somehow we've gotten comfortable and these looming statistics that are not numbers Amber made up, they're, it's research done. These are facts, people. This is real talk. That's out there and we've just become okay with it. And as I was reading this, I, I was brought back, I, and I'll confess, I, I was never the person who was like, oh, I love to read. But my mom and dad made me read all the time. And, and because of that, I would say, oh, I don't want to read a book. But I would start reading, and when I'd start reading, I loved it, and then I would finish reading the book, right? And now I force myself to read just because I, I want my brain to not get old, right? And I was reminded of this book that I read in high school by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Anybody ever read that book in high school? Okay, it used to be on the suggested reading list. C.S. Lewis was a incredibly talented author, but he was also a mighty man of God. And so his books were amazing. Some of you probably have read or watched movies based off of books and didn't know it. The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, Mere Christianity. There's all these different books. But anyway, screw tape letters. I was reminded of this book. And let me tell you a little of the premise of the book. What you got is, is it's a book it's of letters written from a guy named Screwtape. Screwtape was like a head demon. And his nephew's name was Wormwood. And he was an apprentice to Screwtape. So Screwtape is writing letters to Wormwood, educating him on how to deal with his patient. His patient was human. His patient was you. His patient was me. And he was talking about the important thing of keeping him distracted. So through the book, he talks about the enemy. The enemy was God. 
So he would say, you have to keep the patient away from the enemy's truth. You have to, and he would say all these different things. And what was interesting to me is throughout the book, the patient would experience God, would give his life to Christ. And Screwtape would say things, it doesn't matter as long as we can keep the focus on himself. As long as he doesn't take that and run with it. Like, it's crazy. You're like, wow, talk about mind games. Okay? The first gaslighter in the history of gaslighting was the devil. Right? So this whole book is written about the perspective of the enemy and how he works. And I thought what was really interesting was at the very beginning, and I didn't remember this until I pulled it out and reread it a couple days ago. At the very opening of the book, before it jumps into the letters, C.S. Lewis writes, Readers are advised to remember that the devil is a liar. Y'all, he opens his book with that. Hey, heads up, the devil is a liar. He even goes on to say, he even lies about what he lies about. And I think, wow, how easy. And here's, I'll be honest, I didn't even say this first service. Confession, as I'm reading this, all of a sudden, these thoughts are popping in my head of, I remember when, I, when we were trusting God in this and all of a sudden I got super emotional about this situation or I got mad at Phil for nothing or my kids were stressing me out and to see how, oh, that was always the enemy's plan. He's always in the works of distraction. So I wanna look at that, reading that book because of the statistics I read took me to a story in the Bible that I wanna look at today. So we're gonna look at all this together. We're gonna break it down and hopefully we're gonna walk out of here awake with some understanding and ideas. Um, The story we're going to look at is in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. If you're on your phone, we're looking in the Amplified Version. As a kid, I remember hearing the story of the Tower of Babel. And I'll be honest, I remember thinking, what's God's problem? Like all these people come together, they're just building a tower, and he gets all hurt, mad because he's God, and they're trying to build a tower. And they were unified. They were all getting along, like nobody ever gets along, and they're all getting along, and he comes down and disrupts everything. That was my perception of this story as a kid. But going back and studying it out, we see some things. Maybe you've seen it, maybe not, but we're going to look at it today. Let's read. It says, now the whole earth spoke one language and used the same words or vocabulary. And as people journeyed eastward, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. They said one to another, come, let us make bricks and fire them thoroughly in a kiln to harden and strengthen them. So they used bricks for stone as building material and they used the tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build a city for ourselves and a tower for whose top will reach into the heavens and let us make a famous name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered into separate groups and be dispersed over the face of the entire earth as the Lord instructed Now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are unified people and they they all have the same language. This is only the beginning of what they will do in rebellion against me. And now no evil thing they imagine they can do will be impossible for them. Come, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go down and confuse and mix up their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the surface of the entire earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, the name of the city was Babel, because they, there the Lord confused the language of the entire earth. And from that place, the Lord scattered and dispersed them over the surface of the earth. 
See, it's easy to look at part of that and go, well, God, why was God like that? Why, why was God, what was he doing? Why was he not okay with all this? Well, let's break it down a little bit. First of all, I want you to get this. God has always had a plan. God has always had a plan. From the beginning of time to now, you and I have been, have never been without purpose on this earth. I want you to understand something. It's so easy for us, and this is how the enemy works too, to look at them and go, oh, well, look at what God's doing in their life. God's really got a plan for them. And to find yourself feeling without purpose, feeling ashamed, feeling forgotten, feeling like you're just like, uh, just sucking air, just what am I doing? And the reality is God has always had a plan. He's always seen you. He's always known he had a plan for you. Please hear me on this. You're not forgotten. You're not an afterthought. You're like, oh, where are we going to put him? Oh, stick him in there. He'll be all right. Like, you have a purpose. Surrounding circumstances do not alter the plan God has. None of this surprises him. What's happening in our world, what's happening overseas, what's happening in the U.S., it didn't surprise him. What's happening, what's happening in the school systems doesn't surprise him. What's happening in the community doesn't surprise him. What's happening in your personal doesn't surprise him. But guess what? He wasn't surprised because he knew it was coming and he planned for you to be here to be part of a resolution. We were never meant to just sit here going, wow, I wish God would do something. He said, hey, join forces with me. I want to do something through you. I want to speak through you. I want to work through you. I want to operate through you. God has always had a plan. But it starts with obedience. Number two, it starts with obedience. I want to back up from that story a little bit and look at what was happening. This tower was built right after the death of Noah. Remember Noah, the guy that built the ark? The earth flooded. We know the story. Okay, let's be honest. The most terrifying story in the Bible, and people make their nurseries like that. He wiped out the planet, and everybody on it's like, put that above the crib. That's precious. Sweet dreams, little baby. Now, that's so weird to me. It's like, this is like, talk about scary, and it's like, oh, little Bobby's nursery is going to be great. This is the biggest murder scene in the world right there. So right after Noah has died, the Tower of Babel is built. But there had been a promise and a covenant from God to man that he would never flood the earth again. And he says to them in Genesis 9-1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He didn't say stay in one spot. He said multiply and fill the earth, cover the earth. God had instructed him, them, on what to do. He had instructions. He wanted him to fill the earth. It was part of the plan. So what happens when we don't follow God's plan? What's that mean? We disobey. I don't disobey. I just don't do what God tells me to do. Bless your heart. That's called disobedience, right? So the next thing, what does disobedience do? Disobedience to God's plan brings deception. How do people get deceived? They disobey God's plan. Because here's the reality, y'all are smart. Like, I know y'all are so smart. But we only know what we know. And when we obey God, he takes care of what we don't know. But when we don't obey God, we become deceived about what we don't know, and we find ourselves in trouble 
Disobedience to God's plan brings deception. C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters says this. It is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. Let me read that to you one more time. It's funny how mortals always picture us putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. The reality is the enemy is not just trying to fill your head with lies. He's trying to keep the truth out. He's trying to distract you. God's doing something over here. Oh, look over here. Look, God's calling you to this. Oh, wait, let's look at what your mom did to you when you were five. Oh, look at what God's doing in the church. Oh, be mad at your neighbor. He wants to keep the truth out as much as he wants to put the lies in. Back at verse 4, it says, they said, they said, come, let us build a city for ourselves and a tower whose top will reach the heavens for ourselves to make us famous. Y'all can't tell me that doesn't still happen in the body of Christ. Ah, they, they need me. What God's done in me is greater than what he's done in them. They need this. Okay. I'm going to show up and the revival is going to break out because of who God is in my life. Like people get like that. Oh, I've been in church for a long time. Mm. They haven't. They probably should sit next to me. Maybe some of this will rub off on some of them. (laughs) You can say you don't say that, but we act that way. Get around somebody who is less... Christian-y than you, and that holy antenna pops out, mm. that little self-righteous, oh, oh, you sin differently than me, huh, hmm, did you catch that, like we all have stuff we got to work on, we all have room to grow, and the reality is, the enemy's like, okay, you believe in God, cool, guess what, the enemy believes in God too, He believes Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Actually, he knows Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So the enemy doesn't care if you believe in it. What he cares about if you act on it. And you obey what comes with that. So he's like, okay, distract him. Distract him. Ooh, how could God do this without you? My goodness. Lone Star Cowboy Church wouldn't be what it is if you weren't here. You've been here since the tent days. You ever hear that? You know, whatever. Prayer sure wouldn't have gone the way it did if you hadn't said amen the way you did. And the enemy just gets in your head and in my head. And what happens when disobedience to God's plan brings deception? Deception brings pride. And let us make a famous name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered into separate groups and be dispersed over the surface of the entire earth as the Lord instructed. See, we can sit here in our comfortable chairs or in our comfortable places at home and go, oh, well, they should have obeyed. Wow. Like God told them. God said, go and fill the earth and look at them disobeying God. Wow. If I would have been there, I'd have told them they should obey God. Like, we got all the answers for everybody, but the reality is those things apply to us too, y'all. They apply to us as well. The reality is the Word is full of things God's calling us to do. And so often we're distracted. We are 
over here deceived. And then when deception brings pride, what does pride bring? Pride brings destruction. Proverbs 16, 18 said, pride goes before destruction and a haughtiness before a fall. What, what? Pride goes before the fall. We cannot afford, y'all. We cannot afford to pretend like we have it all together anymore. What you love, what people love about Randy Weaver so much is that he just gets up here and he's just real. And he even says his name. I'm Randy Weaver and I blah, 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 blah. Everybody's like, yeah, me too. We love that. But I'm going to tell you something. We can love it when people are real, but if we're honest, we're not always real with ourselves and therefore we're not always real with others. We cannot afford to pretend like we have it all together. We can't afford to pretend like how we've been doing things always will continue to work. Like, guess what? I read you the stats. If we keep doing church the way we've always done church, the numbers aren't going to increase. If we keep living our lives as Christians on Sunday, check, the numbers are going to continue to decline. If we keep putting the responsibility on the pastors and the staff of a church to do a job that God's called us to, Nothing's going to change. We can't pretend that everything is okay. We can't pretend like if I just close my eyes, it'll go away. When Justice, our oldest, was little, now I think boys are born with this idea that you should never have to go to the bathroom in the, in the bathroom. If there's an outside tree, it's calling your name. And so when we were at home, like he'd bypass three bathrooms just to get outside. I'm like, where did he get that? And Phil's just like... I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I forgot. Okay. We were at the ballpark, and they closed the bathrooms. And um, Justice, was, he was little. He's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And Phil's like, well, just go over by that tree. Dad, we're not at home. And Phil, this was brilliant. So Phil, and Justice just believed everything he said. Phil's like, buddy, just close your eyes. Nobody will see you. And he did. He went over there and dropped his pants down, closed his eyes, and not a care in the world, went to the bathroom. And people were walking by, oh, look at that little boy going to the bathroom. But because he couldn't see them, he didn't know they could see him. We can't afford to pretend like we have arrived as Christians, as a nation, or as a church. When we're walking around with our eyes closed because we don't want to see what God's trying to draw our attention to. Oh, mm, that's bad. I don't like that. I like for things to be happy. Oh, wait, God's calling me to do something with that? I don't think he really is. I'm just going to close my eyes and pretend it's not there. We got to open our eyes. We got to wake up. We got to stop pretending like there's not a problem. Well, I didn't come to church for you to tell me there's problems. I came for, for you to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> well... First of all, what color is the sky in your world? Second of all, the bubble that you're in just popped. But you know what? Even when the bubble pops, the Bible says that God is with us. And he's our provider. And he's our ever-present help and need. And he's called us to this world that's outside this bubble that so many of us have lived in for so long. So wake up. Pay attention. We can't afford to not daily examine our hearts to make sure we're staying on the path of humble obedience. Humble obedience while maintaining respect for the power of God. Guess what? God doesn't need you. But he chooses to use you. You were part of the plan. 
But if you don't do it, he's still going to do it. God is still going to have the final say. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to stink when we stand in heaven. And if he's like, hey, you were part of the plan. Why didn't you show up? And you were like, well, my eyes were closed by the tree. Another quote in the screw tape letters is this. It says, indeed, the safest, this is screw tape talking to Wormwood. Indeed, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. And he signs it, your uncle, screw tape. Your affectionate uncle, screw tape, actually. The safest road to hell. See, I grew up where everything was hell. Like, it was like, oh, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And it was hell was this like this scary, scary place, and then heaven, and it was all. But the reality is this. We think we have to scare people so they don't go to hell. But the reality is the road to hell isn't scary. The, road, the Bible says the road to hell is wide. The road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions, right? The road to hell is comfortable because it's self-honoring and self-pleasing and self-serving. Again, this isn't about us being perfect. This is about us serving a perfect God. This is about us realizing that we're going to blow it. We're going to lose our minds sometimes. We're going to lose our temper. We're not gonna, our children are not going to always rise up and call us blessed, moms. First time I read that as a mom of toddlers, your children will rise up and call you blessed. I'm like, no, they don't. I don't know who they're talking about, but it's not in this house. My kids wake up screaming they're hungry. Like, I don't, this is not. The reality is it doesn't always look and feel like we want it to look and feel, but we have to understand that there is a bigger power, a bigger source, a bigger purpose that is guiding and leading us, but there's also a bigger power that is distracting and trying to keep us away from truth. And we, like frogs in a pot, have become comfortable as the heat has risen. And we're like, well, I mean, it's everywhere. It's not a big deal. I take my kids to church on Sunday. So they're hearing truth there. So maybe it's not a big deal for watching it. Maybe it's not a big deal for living like this all week long except for on Sunday morning. Like, I'm not, if you're like, well, I don't like the condemnation you're bringing to me. I ain't bringing nothing to you. But if you're feeling that way, that's conviction in your heart of God saying, hey, wake up. Wake up. It's time to do something. I read this verse the other day, Revelations 3, 2 through 3. It says, wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold on to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as an unexpected thief. Makes me think of this guy, this young man. I call him a kid because in my mind he's a kid, but he's a young man named Parker McCown. If you know him or don't know him, I'm going to tell you a little story about him. Parker, back in 2020, was at the NFR. He was the youngest at the NFR that year riding bulls. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have mad respect for people who ride bulls, but I also don't understand why anybody would, that's in their right mind would get on a bull. I... I in between those two places, okay? But he was, he was doing good. And we're watching and we're excited. And midway through, he gets hurt really bad. And he has to have um, three uh, shoulder surgeries. And he was out for two and a half years. So right after that happened, man, and Parker said it, he'll, he'll tell you, he hit a really low place. And you say, well, it's just bull riding, just bull riding. Well, for this young man, he felt like that's what he was purposed for. How would you feel if somebody took your passion and said, oh, it's just this? 
The problem is this. We as Christians dismiss what God's called other people to do when it doesn't look like what he's calling us to do. Oh, it's just children's ministry. It's just men's ministry. It's just widows. It's just baseball. It's just this. Let me tell you something. <laughs> That's our problem. We think all the, all the ministry is supposed to happen within the four walls. No, this is where we come get fed and we go out and do ministry. So for this young man, bull riding was what he believed he was called and created to do. And so he, he hit a low. And so we talked. We talked a lot. And I, I had a conversation with him. I said, Parker, look, I don't, all I can tell you is during this time, if you will press in as God's healing your arm, allow God to prepare your heart for what's coming. Because if he called you to this, he's not done with you. And Parker said this to me the other day. He said, because I was asking, I said, go, we go back in your mind and how did this feel and all this? And he said, it felt like sometimes all I had was God's love for me. I felt like I wasn't capable of anything at times. And faith was the rock that I had to choose to stand on. I'm going to tell you. This is not about being a bull rider. But this is about when life hits, and it does. When the enemy hits, and he does. You have to choose if you stay down or if you get up. If you, if you accept it, well, it is, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. That's just the way life is. Or if you say, wait a minute, there's a passion inside of me. And I can say, let the enemy get in my ear and make me think that that passion was not real. Or I can say, God, if this is you, keep that passion stirred and get me ready for what's coming. So two and a half years go by, Parker starts riding again. I am not Parker's mom. I, every time I watch him ride, I cry like a baby. Not because I want to ride a bull, because I don't. Now, if I ever go to get on a bull, somebody in here needs to just intervene and say, Amber, you've lost your mind. We're going to get you one of those jackets that make you hug yourself. <laughs> but when I watch what I see in this young man is hope. So he, I, I've been watching, and I got his permission, but this is his last ride he did that's been, well, not, he's done two probably since then, but this is the most recent one that we have video. Check this out. That'll make you do the gritty. That's what we've been waiting on, a top two score, 86 and a half. Over to the South Point Hotel and Casino Bucket Shoot. Go back to that verse I just read. Go back to what you heard and believe it first. Hold on to it firmly. Joel 3, 9 says, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Here's what I want you to get. You can say, well, I, uh, now I'm questioning letting my kid do bull riding at rodeo Bible camp. I can't think about anything else you're saying. They don't ride those kind of bulls at rodeo Bible camp, okay? I promise you that. They think they do. Don't tell them that they're not riding those kind of bulls, but they ain't riding those kind of bulls. But here's what, I, here's what I can tell you. 
We can look, I can sit here and give you stats all day long and you can walk out of here feeling like the saddest person in the world with what's happened in our generation. I can also give you actual stories of things that are happening with young people over the last 23 years of things they've told me, things they're walking through, things they're experiencing, things that they've done and could discourage the mess out of you. But I can also tell you about these young people who are radically running after Jesus, who decided to wake up, who decided to get back on the bull metaphorically and go, wait a minute, I'm gonna hold on because it doesn't really matter what the rest of the world's doing. They haven't figured it out, but I believe God's got something more for me. And they hold on. Friend, what does all this have to do with you? What does it have to do with me? Everything. It has everything to do with us. Because the reality is, it's going to continue to get worse. If we just sit by and accept it for that. We can say, well, that's life. Y'all have a good day. Go get you some Mexican food for lunch. I hope it's great. Get a little extra queso. Remember, guacamole charges extra. Or I can say, hey, wait a minute. I don't know about you, but I'm, not, I'm done sitting by and letting this be okay. I'm done accepting statistics as facts, but seeing it as a launching point to go somewhere different. I'm done as an adult making excuses when you've got a young man like Parker that says, I don't care what anybody says. This is my purpose. That just doesn't make sense to me. How would bull riding be his purpose? Do you know that he will reach people that I will never reach because I ain't get on a bull? Do you know that since he's been madly pursuing Jesus this last two and a half years, he has ministered to more kids, prayed with more kids. He has done more for the kingdom in his healing process than he did in his winning process. And because of that, the winning process that's starting back up there's young people watching. You say, well, he's a young bull rider. I don't care if you're 93. People are watching. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And what are you doing? What is, what lie have you believed that the enemy's told you, well, you can't do that. You'll never be able to do that. You, you're, that's past your time. Or you're not old enough to do that. Or you don't have the brains to do that. Or you're, Let me tell you something. If God's put it inside of you, the only one that's stopping you from doing it is you. Wake up. Wake up. What would happen, y'all? And I'm crazy enough to believe this is true. What would happen if the church just became the church? And we did the simple things that God asked us to do. To love him, love people, and make sure people know who Jesus is. What would happen? And like, I'm not telling you, and I said something, don't, don't go out there with a sign and start yelling at people to get saved. Start with smiling at them. Nobody likes an angry Christian. Jesus loves you. Oh, well, oh, oh, calm down. Start with being joy. Start with making room in your life for people who are alone. Start by checking on people who you haven't seen. Make your number available. Make yourself available. I was talking to a gentleman between services a while ago, and I told him, I said, Francis of Assisi, of Assisi said this, preach the gospel in all things, and when necessary, use words. Let your life be a gospel message that's lived out, that people are drawn, and they finally go, man, what's different about you? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. His name is Jesus. There's really nothing great about me, but there's so much good about him. He changes everything. He changed the trajectory of my life. And I can tell you where I was headed, but I can tell you where I'm going now. And the only difference was 
Jesus. You can pack up and leave and accept it as it is. But I'm asking you not to do that. As somebody who is passionate about this and will remain passionate about this to the day I die, I believe wholeheartedly that where our world is at, because it's not a surprise to God, we're the best he's got to work with. So I think we got to wake up. we got to do something with what he's given us. And I challenge, and I do believe somebody in here or somebody online needs to hear this. There's passions and dreams inside of you that you've dismissed because you believed a lie that the enemy told you that you couldn't or that you're not. Wake up. He's terrified of what's inside of you. He's terrified of the calling on your life. He's terrified of the skills that you don't even know that you have. He's terrified of people who have a little grit and tenacity to go, well, if God's called me to do it, maybe I can. Maybe I will. What happens if we start taking God at his word and we just do it until we can't? Well, how come you're doing that? You know what I love about little kids in sports? They don't know that they can't do it. Who are the best skiers? Little people. They're like two feet tall and they're like going down these slopes like they own them. And you're like, you can't do that. No, you're telling them they can't do it. They don't know they can't. So the enemy likes to tell us what we can't do. But God's like, hey, I created you for this. I created you for more. You're bigger than this. You're better than this. Well, I just didn't have the upbringing. Stop making excuses. Wake up. But do you know my past? I don't really care about your past. I know what your future can look like. Let's start there. Let's start right here. Bow your heads all across this room with me, if you will. And online too, please. I'm looking around this room and I see educators in this room. I see people who have stepped out and into things to make a difference in this generation. I see people who are mighty men and women in business. I see moms who you've been on your knees praying for your children and praying for their friends. And those of you that I know your story, I just want to tell you, thank you for living the life that you live. Thank you for being in the trenches for this generation. But I want to ask a question to this whole crowd. If you're in here right now, and this is we ask this question every week because it's the most important decision you will ever make in your life. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, and you know you need that, I would love to pray with you. Can you raise your hand so I can pray with you? If you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, if there's anybody in here right now, anybody at all, Can you stand? I've got one more question for you. Keep your heads bowed, though, and your eyes closed, because I just want you to look at your heart. Have you believed the lie from the enemy that you can't? Have you closed your eyes to things that you know need to be addressed, need to be helped? but didn't want to step in? Have you believed a lie from the enemy that you're not the one, you're not good enough? Have you gotten comfortable with status quo, with the monotonous daily life that we live and begun to live your life with, I just can't wait till Jesus comes, making the excuse of why you're not going to step in?
And if your answer was yes to any of those, I'm not going to ask you to tell me, but I'm going to ask you to check your heart. If your answer was yes, I say this with all the love in the world, wake up. You're called and purposed and designed for far greater things. The kingdom of God is not about the four walls of this church. The four walls of this church is to help mold and equip and prepare the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about to walk out the doors and go reach a world that needs Jesus. Before you go, wake up. Hold on. Grab a hold of the promises of God. Grab a hold of the dreams and the visions he's put in your heart. And do not let go. Let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person here and every person online. I thank you, God. We recognize that culture has influenced us, but Lord, I pray that we wake up and we begin to influence culture. Thank you, God, for technology where we can have church with people all over the world right now. But God, I pray that we stop, that as your church, we stop making excuses of what we allow and what we ignore and what we justify and we become people that go wait a minute we have purpose and we live our life according to that Jesus I pray for every person in this room and every person online that you would just surround them with your spirit that you would fill them with your love that you would remind them of your truth and your truth sets people free thank you God that every single person within the sound of my voice is called and appointed for such a time as this to go and be your hands and feet to this world. Help us to see that ministry is where you take us, not where we come. Ministry is where you are and when we're with you, it can happen. Help us to look at people the way you see them. To not look at traffic on the highway as a roadblock for us getting to work, but cars full of souls that you died for. God, help us just to see the world the way you see it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for not forgetting us and failing us. And thank you for having a plan. Take us safely, Lord, and help us to be your hands and feet. And help us, Jesus, to wake up. In your precious name, amen. Hey, y'all, look at me real quick. I want you to hear this. I want you to see this. You are loved. You are purposed and you are called for this time. Do not, do not, do not assume that that was for the person next to you. It was for you. You get out there and you live the life God's called you to live. And don't let any, any enemy get in your ear and tell you that you're anything less than the man and woman of God that you were created to be. You are loved, and we will see you next week. If you need prayer, we've got people down here to pray. Y'all go on home.